0: Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. wow what the fuck? And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what-the-fuckers? What-the-fuck-buddies? what the fuck What-the-fuckstables? what the fuckabies? what What-the-fuck-nicks? What and what-the-fuck-aristas? I, you know, come on now. It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for all the emails, both positive and negative. You know, I like going through them. It's like a speedball. Like, 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 hate, love, hate, love, love. Yeah, it's okay. I'm happy to hear from all of you. I'm glad the uh, the show is having an impact or an effect or whatever you want to say. I hope everybody's well out there. Today on the show, uh, Rob Riggle, uh, of course, from the, the Daily Show. And now he's going to be on the new show on Adult Swim, N-T-S-F-S-D-S-U-V. You've seen him around quite a bit. He's an interesting guy. I've met him a couple of times. Uh, stand-up dude, a funny dude with an interesting story. Uh, actually served in the military. I don't know in my mind, other than Jonathan Winters, that we've had somebody on the show that has served in the military. And, and, and Rob's story is very interesting because he, you know, he was going to be a lifer. So you, you'll hear him talk about that. And it got me thinking about the military and about my past and about my feelings about that, about service, about people who serve. I guess my earliest recollection, I, I may have talked about this before years ago. I'm not even sure I did on this show. But my earliest recollection of the of war and of military service was probably in the mid to late 60s when I was four or five years old watching TV. There was a lot of war footage from Vietnam. I remember the news reports. I remember seeing graphic images, body counts. I remember body counts. I remember military funerals. I remember actual footage from reporters in the in the jungles of Vietnam I remember the protests I remember the hippie movement I remember the outrage I remember all the images I of course I didn't have a context for them when I was that age but I remembered them and the effect they had on my head sort of defined my head in some odd way uh, it was very powerful and I remember my father was in the military he was in the air force for a couple of years we were stationed up in Alaska and we would go back east to visit my grandmother Uh, and both sets of grandparents, and we would take these military cargo planes because it was part of the deal. You could hop a cargo plane, and I can't remember which way it was going or whether it was going both ways, but it was probably going east, but I remember we would sit along the sides of the planes in these strap-in seats. We'd have a box lunch. I remember it was the first time that I ever tasted v 8 I remember it was dark and, and it was scary. And I remember going in the cockpit uh, and being shown the radar and everything. And then I remember the cargo. The boxes were long rectangular boxes. And I was told on one of those flights that those were were, were, were caskets. They were you know, the pre-casket casket. These were bodies of American soldiers going from Vietnam to wherever they were going to be buried. And, and it, I remember it being horrifying and scary and sad at that time. And I remember it having an impact, but still not completely connected. But it made it, it, made it eerie, but I, I never quite understood it. It, it in my soul, I don't think. And then as I got older, when I was in high school during the Reagan years, there was a time there where we had to register for the draft. We were, we were act, asked to, to register for Selective Service. And, and I freaked out because I had become somewhat of a reactionary, or I modeled myself after that. And I'm like, I'm not going to fight a war. That, uh, that I don't necessarily believe in. I'm not going to fight. Yeah, I'm going to resist. That's what I, I learned to do. I gravitated towards that reactionary uh, disposition. And I remember registering for selective service and writing all over the registration, uh, conscientious objector. But I think in retrospect, if I'm going to be honest, I was probably just scared out of my fucking wits at the idea of being drafted. And I, I believe that that's a reasonable fear. I don't think I was alone in that. And I've never had the opportunity to perform for the troops. And, and quite honestly, I just, it's not that I don't think I could do it. I've never made myself available for it. Cause I'm a self-involved guy. You know, my life is not, it's not a general life. You know, I'm, I'm fairly introspective. I'm heady. I just don't know that I would be the right entertainer for the troops. I'm no Bob Hope. And certainly I've, had some weird moment the other day around my feelings uh, about service about military service I I've always respected it it took me a while to realize that no matter where you stand on the conflict at hand or where you stand about the war or where you stand about whether it's right or wrong or anything else that there's a military there needs to be a military it's an all-volunteer military and these are special people. There's no fucking way around that. But I don't know that I felt it as deeply as I did. I think it was last week. I was watching President Obama award this guy, Sergeant First Class Leroy Petrie. Uh, the Medal of Honor, and 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 this guy had a prosthetic a prosthetic right hand. His legs had been shot to fuck. He'd done he'd done many many tours in Afghanistan, and and there's a story around why he got the medal aside from his all his service. But he was in a, a firefight in Afghanistan, and he was with two other guys. A grenade was thrown. Literally five feet in front of him, one of the guys was injured. He was injured. He he ran out. He, I mean, he had a tourniquet on his arm that he had put on his arm himself. He he scrambled out with injured legs and an injured arm. Picked up this grenade, heaved it out of the way. It blew up elsewhere, and saved himself and and these other guys. And and he's accepting this award. And there's this. He's got a prosthetic hand. And there was a handshake with the president. And I I had this moment where I'm watching him and I'm trying to understand. You know, who does that? Who does that? This is not an average person. This is something beyond anything I can understand, not just a service element, but the self-sacrifice of it. There's there's part of me that thinks immediately like, well, you know, he's just one of those guys. You know, he's like, you know, fuck them. I'm going to win this. I'm you know, I'm a, I'm going to be a hero. But then I realized that wasn't it. Some people are just are just wired for service, but they're also wired to be warriors. But this was real self-sacrifice. And this is an all volunteer army. And I, I was moved at that moment in, in a genuine way when he because Obama went out of his way yet to make a point that this is the, the spirit of America, the essence of America, the spirit that says no matter how hard the journey, no matter how hard he quote, there's a quote that that no matter how hard the journey, no matter how steep the climb, we don't quit. He said that. But this was that, a, a situation you know, he's talking about self-sacrifice. And certainly this this uh, this Sergeant Petrie um, was beyond anything I could understand and certainly uh, was one of only two living people that that uh, that received this honor. But there was something in the moment where where Sergeant Petrie saluted Obama and there was something in the way he saluted and there was something in his eyes that transcended politics and, and everything else, any sort of argument that was going on uh, within the Capitol, any sort of argument that was going on about the war, it transcended all of that. And it was it was about duty and service. And 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 he was saluting his commander in chief. It, it didn't matter who it would have been at that moment. And it was just bigger than anything I could quite fathom at that moment. And I started thinking about the the idea of an all volunteer army and, and the positions. I've talked to soldiers. I have soldiers that listen to this show. And I know that a lot of them are like, we know what we're getting into. You know, this is either a job. We understand the parameters of the job. Uh, We may not be uh, our feelings about the war are irrelevant, but we're signing up for this. Whatever your intentions are, you know what you're getting into. But this is all volunteers. And there has to be some gratitude uh, from us to to these soldiers in the sense that who the fuck would do that? It's it's an amazing thing to, to have that that ability to have that kind of self-sacrifice and that type of loyalty and that type of of tremendous balls to volunteer to do that. Here I was a fucking teenager frightened at the possibility of being drafted would never think about going into the war. But God damn it. We need people out there doing that. And it, it was just it, it was moving to me in that moment because Obama's talking about self-sacrifice. We don't live in a culture of self-sacrifice. Even that thing he said. You know, about you know we 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 will rise to the occasion because a lot of us don't have a choice. the The idea that this is the spirit of America. No matter how hard the journey, no matter how steep the climb, we don't quit. That's a collective we, but a lot of people don't have a fucking choice. It's just the shit they're in. These guys volunteer to get into the shit, to 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 defend the country or to fight in in whatever conflict. They are needed in, you know, I, I'm not a self-sacrificing guy. I will sacrifice for self, but actual self-sacrifice for the better of the bigger is rare. And I don't know how many truly self-sacrificing people I meet. I mean, the best thing I've ever done is this podcast and occasionally it moves people. But Jesus, I was just, I was just blown away at the fortitude of this, of this guy, this Sergeant First Class Leroy Petrie. Jesus Christ! He's one tough dude. In the uh, garage here at the Cat Ranch, Mister uh, Rob Riggle. Hello, <laughs> the man, the myth. Yes, you, you know I um the the I don't know how much you talk about it, and you know I've watched your work on the Daily Show, on SNL, and other places as much as I can. I don't. Uh, I don't consume as much media as I should, so I, I come at these things sort of blind. But I know you worked with um, my friend Janine Garofalo. Absolutely. Uh, a I've, few times.
1: And I've been very lucky to do some stand-up gigs with her around right. the country. Yeah, I love that.
0: And I had talked to her about some event in Somerville, Massachusetts, where you guys were playing in Davis Square, I think maybe at the Somerville Theater, and she got accosted by Fox yes. News reporters.
1: Was was it, it was, I thought it was just some angry... Uh, tea partiers I didn't know it was right or, or no I don't
0: know if it, well maybe that was the story yeah. right and they they had come to protest yes and she walked out to all that shit and
1: she said I talked to her about it a couple of times <laughs> she said she felt safer that you were there <laughs> did, well I think she maybe wanted me to do more to be oh, honest right. I think she probably wanted me to like you know come at him sideways right go like, oh, fuck yourselves and I just didn't you know because she's 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 a tough girl she you can know, handle she, herself exactly she doesn't need to be but I I did want to be around her in case these guys were crazy
0: well yeah there's that and she also brings that out in, in me too like you know you feel protective of her almost yeah, immediately yes but now what would have happened if it got ugly i
1: would, I would have i would have beat some ass <laughs> i guess you know i mean i well you know i mean obviously I, i'm a very peaceful guy but you know if you attack a, a little right she, she's what five two right she's tiny yep you know and if they would have done anything physical to her i mean i don't think i would have hesitated Because unlike anyone
0: I've ever talked to in here, and I've talked to about 150, 160 comedians, I don't know any of them that are active Marine Reserve. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty small little fraternity, (laughs) myself. But I mean, (laughs) what does that mean? I mean, now, like, you could get called in tomorrow?
1: I could, technically. Um, I don't think it'll happen. Right, um, because why? Because you just I've already say, been called back. I've already been called back once.
0: But you could just say I'm Rob Riggle. I mean, I, you want to see my movie? No, but and... that
1: means nothing to them, right? Honestly, Alvis means... Presley was in the force. Absolutely, the, the government, the Marines, especially, they could care less. They're like, you, you're a funny guy, huh? That's wonderful. We need you over here right now. Well, you know?
0: when did uh, when did you join?
1: Uh, I joined when I was 19 years old. How old are you now? Uh, honestly, honestly, yeah, I'm 40. Okay, uh, and I joined when I was 19, and I. Uh, uh, I was in college. I was uh, at the University of Kansas. I was a theater and film major, um, but I had my pilot's license. From uh,
0: what? From when you were young? You you, you didn't uh, train in the military. You just had your pilot's license because you. Uh, when did you get that?
1: I got my pilot's license when I was in in college, and.
0: Uh, what, what do you mean? Just went out and started taking flying lessons? Yeah,
1: yeah. My well, I was ve- I was very fortunate. My my grandfather was a, uh, a farmer, uh, yeah. in Missouri, um, and he uh i think he he wanted to be a pilot in world war ii okay he was in the army air corps in world war ii okay and he for whatever reason he he was either too short or i don't know something happened that he couldn't fly right and so when i became of age he came to me and he said one day he goes do you do you, do you want to learn how to fly i was like yeah why sure why not what are you saying And he's <laughs> like I'll, I'll pay for you to get flight lessons if you want to fly and i said <laughs> you know i was a young man i was like yeah i want to fly deal done yeah and so that's it so i was in uh, i was up in lawrence kansas and they have a little airport out there with a, a little cessna and i took i took lessons and i got my pilots lessons and, and started is, flying around and it was a great date yeah, by the way yeah Oh, I bet. yeah you No, know, take a girl's really like, oh yeah you go uh, you know uh, you want to get a go out to dinner or whatever and then after dinner i go you know, it'll be fun you want to go flying and they'd go what they go, yeah, I take a flight around campus at night. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be nice. And you just drive out to the field? Drive out to the field, go out, prep the plane. You know, and then I'd make, make it look way more hard than it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, did
0: you do that thing where it's like, I'm just starting out here. I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I wanted to look as, you know, professional oh, okay. as expert you, as I you could. You that way. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So. You don't
0: want to fuck up the possibilities. Right. For... Because
1: if you if you went out there and you did the, I don't know what I'm doing, they they would literally go, well, I don't oh, want yeah, to do yeah. this <laughs> anymore. Right. Yeah. I, I thought maybe when
0: you are already up. Oh yeah, we have yeah, yeah. Can you just
1: give me the handbook? Yeah. Well, there was one thing because it was an uncontrolled field. So what does that mean? That means there's no air. There's no air traffic control. <laughs> so it's uh, when you're flying around that field, it's just you talk to each other. The mm-hmm. pilots talk to each other. Like, what do
0: you say? Like, are you going in or should I? Yeah, or where like, we whatever at?
1: your call sign. So if you're like, November 7, Foxtrot, uh, I'm, you know, left downwind for runway 33. Right. So so if you're a pilot and you're flying around the plane, you know where runway 33 is and they're left downwind, so you know where to look for them. Okay. You know, <laughs> So, and then so you, it's just, a, but you, you eyeball it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You really do. And and at night because yeah. there's nobody there to turn yeah, on yeah, and yeah. off the lights, you as a pilot turn on the lights with your microphone. At the airport? At the airport. So you click your microphone <laughs> five times and the and it's like this oasis in the desert just the runway lights up the taxiway lights up the you know all the so that was the big closer that's what i'd be like flying go i don't know where the airfield is baby and i go i go here here and i hand her the microphone i go why don't you click this five times yeah and look right over there and then they do it and then the whole field would light up
0: oh i would think that would transcend any sexual (laughs) possibilities how are you gonna
1: follow that
0: yeah, how's a kiss going to be the same? Yeah, and,
1: and I always fell short. Yeah, I always oh, why yeah. not? Nah. <laughs> I could. You would be surprised. I, something like that. You would think would be a pretty decent chance for a, <laughs> young men. Don't have game for right. the most part. I sure, didn't, I didn't. You had a plane. I had. A, that's the best. I, I mean, I was like, this is. A, I mean, this is all I got. Yeah, and uh, and I still many many times did not. They couldn't close the deal. Couldn't close it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was weak-willed. I was like, I was like uh, do you want to kiss? Nope. Okay, good. That's good for me. I'm out. Weak-willed. <laughs> You're a Marine. Well, again, I was a young man. <laughs> that's why I joined the Marines, so oh, I could that's... get my shit together.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> is it a completely, in the, not for God and country, but for pussy? <laughs> but, okay, so you grew up where?
1: In Kansas? Yes, Overland Park,
0: Kansas. And what is that? what does that look it's like? A, it's can... a
1: suburb of Kansas City. It's just uh-huh. a very nice suburb of Kansas City. Uh Kansas City kind of falls right on the state line of Kansas and Missouri. Yeah. Split down the middle. Kansas City Missouri has like the downtown, all the sports complexes, the Chiefs, the Royals, all yeah. that. Kansas City Kansas not so much, but there's a real nice suburb called Overland Park, Kansas. And so I was grew up on the Kansas side of it. Now uh, was your uh, dad a marine? Nope. No, my, nobody was a marine. The only person, nobody was a marine. Uh, the only person, uh, my grandfather, was in uh, in World War II. So, what you were studying
0: in college when you decided to join? Now, what was there? Some, I, I can't put time and date in my head. What what
1: what what compelled the decision? Um, I was a theater and film major, so that means I was going to be a waiter upon graduation, right? Because you, don't, you just don't graduate as a theater and film major and then go become an actor. Okay. You can study acting. Right. You can try to get gigs or right. try to get a job, but you're not going to get paid anything.
0: But you were just like an actor guy? Yeah. You were just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, you're, you're doing your... Uh... Well, I was,
1: I was a humorous guy, too. I mean, I, I was voted most humorous in my senior class in high school. Um, what
0: plays did you do in high school and college?
1: Um, oh, I ended up... Doing weird, random Frankie and Johnny, uh huh. um, You know, little things like that. Nothing too, right. I was never Shakespearean. Please, did you do any singing, musical theater? No. I I, the only the only thing I ever did was at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Matt Walsh put on a show, a Halloween show, an annual Halloween show called uh, Kilgore. Right. And it was just a bloody mess. It was the whole point was just to be as disgusting as possible. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And one year they decided to make it a musical. And uh, and I sang in that, and it actually went went okay. I wasn't too embarrassed. But. Well, that's
0: good. I mean, I just I was trying to unearth a, a secret thespian past where you um, you did uh, uh, Bye Bye Johnny or <laughs> one of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, great. no.
1: I, I, I matter of fact, I, I had an audition recently where they wanted me to sing, and I I didn't go in. Oh, out of fear? I, I yeah, but because I, I I can I can karaoke drunk karaoke with the best of them. Yeah, and what's and, your song? I used to go Neil Diamond. Really, to be honest <laughs> Which with Which one? You. Any of them. Cherry Cherry, uh, you know, I mean you you can't go wrong with a lot of Neil. Yeah, sure, Neil's yeah, pretty simple. The vocal range is vocal, within uh, our, Exactly. Yeah. And, oh, that's and good. the crowd it's good a crowd thing. pleaser. Uh, So yeah, so I go kneel usually. Um, All right. So
0: there you are. You're what? 19 years old. You're an acting major and you're like, all right, the Marines, the hardest thing that a person (laughs) could do and the commitment. And I don't know what, what, where does that fall around the first Gulf War? 89, what year was that? It was
1: 90. I was actually, I was actually at officer candidate school in, uh, in the summer of 90. We were, I was actually on the parade deck. We were drilling, doing close order drill, you know, like you see marching around left shoulder, right? And, um, the bugle sounded and our drill sergeant goes freeze I freeze so we we're like you know we don't know what the hell's going on you know yeah. we don't have watches we don't have newspapers we're right. in total information dark and uh, the horn blew, the, the bugle blew again and this look you know drill instructors are mean and they're surly and they got they know everything about everything yeah and i saw a look of somewhat panic in his eyes and it was, it, was, it was a little chilling, to be honest with you.
0: And you had no idea. And I had
1: no idea. And he goes, and he said out loud, he goes, if that horn blows again, we're going to war, boys. And uh, we were all like, I, have, I, I didn't know what he meant. <laughs> and I was like, I just still it don't was know what's going Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm expecting any minute to get yelled at, so I, I'm, just, I'm just afraid. I'm just like, whatever, <laughs> just let me get through this. Yeah. And, uh, and then a couple days later, we were in one of our, our classes. You know. So it did blow again. Uh, no, it didn't. Okay, but we so we were all like, oh, geez, I, know that, I don't know what the hell that meant. I don't know what's going on, but we didn't care. You're not allowed to watch television. On the no, face? no, no, no. Are you serious? Yeah, because this is boot camp. This is you know. There's no television at boot camp. No, 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 that is fucking off. No, no. <laughs> there's there's a, there's a lot of nothing at boot camp. I mean, there's anyway. So we uh, but we were sitting in a class, and one of our instructors said, "Has anybody ever heard of the uh, the country of Kuwait?" And you know, everybody raised their hand, and he goes, "Well, it don't it doesn't exist anymore." And so we were like, "What?" And then he explained to us what had happened. And we we're like, holy! That's what it was about. And so then right. we started put two, two two together.
0: And then what happened though? Did you go?
1: <sighs> no, I didn't, uh, because I was only I was still in an undergrad, and I, that was I was just going through Officer Candidate School. Um, now a lot of the guys that were prior enlisted Marines.
0: What is the difference? I mean, Officer Candidate School means what? I mean, is that something everybody goes through when they join the Marines?
1: No, um, it, there's there's two different things. There's there's right. boot camp, which is for the enlisted Marines. Okay. okay. That's Paris Island, right. San Diego. That's what you see, like in Full Metal Jacket. And right. That's where you. That's where they go to turn you into a marine. You didn't do that. Uh, no. I did a different version of that. I did Officer Candidate School. Okay. So you were is, trying to
0: get in. You were trying to, you know, break in uh, at the top. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, because I was in college and I was going to go when I graduated, I would get commissioned as a second lieutenant, provided I could get through OCS. Now boot camp is. Uh, miserable it's a hard miserable experience
0: that's for people who are like you're either going to jail or the marines (laughs) what do you want to do kid yeah
1: that could be definitely Uh, uh, a possibility it's not
0: it's not for uh, necessarily college educated people well no
1: but a lot of college guys go through there i I had i had a sergeant work for me who who uh was a graduate of michigan state he had an accounting degree from michigan state and he was working in a cubicle one day and he literally looked around and snapped and just said oh my god this is my life and he walked out during lunch of his job, which was like Arthur Anderson. Yeah, yeah. And walked to the Marine Recruiting Office and signed up and just said, "I'm going to join the Marines. I don't care what happens. I need some I'm, discipline. I'm getting no. I'm just getting out of here. I got to live my life. That's so, pretty exact. That's extreme. Yeah. Then he eventually went on to become an officer later, um, but he enlisted initially. But what happens is, uh, if you sign a contract with the Marines, yeah, uh, as an enlisted, you know, if you just enlist in the Marine Corps, they're right. going to make you a Marine, right? Come heck or high water, because right. they got you for four years, they're right? Gonna, now, if that means you have to go through boot camp twice. To get down to weight, right? You know, get your weight under control, or to to be able to do the amount of pull-ups you need to do, or to, to learn how to do close-order drill, or learn how to fire your weapon, they'll send you through boot camp twice if they have to. Yeah. They, they're going to make you a marine. Right. Officer candidate school is different.
0: And you're just hoping for no leonards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're hoping little, you're really hoping for that.
1: But officer candidate school is a little different because they, you have to go to them and say, I, I want to be an officer, and they say, Okay, well, come and try out. Right. And then you go, and then they're trying to get rid of you the whole oh, okay. time. So, so you should be in
0: pretty good shape already and ready to do oh, anything? Oh, you got
1: you to be ready to go. My, my platoon started with 68, and we graduated 34, 50% attrition. Now, right w- down were middle. you in good shape, or were you? I yeah, mean I was in good shape. And you, you were prepared. You I was as prepared as I could be. You're never truly prepared to be. You know, sleep deprived and and scared and hungry and and not know what the hell's going on. So you and,
0: didn't go in uh, out of a sense of service necessarily, or no? Or, I did. I,
1: I, I'm a I'm a I'm a Midwestern kid. You right. Know, I I'm a pretty patriotic guy. I, yeah. I really do. You know, I know a lot of people look at the, this country and they they like to point out our shortcomings, and we have them. I'm not saying we don't, but. There's a really there's a lot of good things too, man. Yeah, we're sitting here in my garage making a podcast. <laughs> exactly. I you know, mean, there's a lot of really wonderful things about this country, and I know. But that's the wonderful thing, you know. We're always trying to make a more perfect union, and uh, right. So it's it's a work in progress, which is a wonderful thing. So but there's a lot to be proud of, and, and a lot of good things. So I I, I I I was honored to serve, and I and I'm glad that I served. I have no regrets. Um, and there's also something I don't know. Maybe there's something in the male psyche um, about. That question of can I hack it? Can I do it? What would I? What would I do in that situation? Sure, and
0: you opted for the Marines as opposed to prison, which is good. <laughs> you're, you're going to learn the whatever you need to. But know.
1: but yeah, I, I wanted to know if I could do it. But I think there's something uh, you know uh,
0: very commendable in in the in, uh, in the action of anybody that that agrees to to serve. That there's a selflessness yeah. that is uh, really unusual, yeah. I think, in general. Uh, in the American culture right now, I mean, this is a culture oh, yeah. sort of you know dedicated to uh, narcissism and getting what you want, and the actual for whatever reason, you know, because a lot of people say, well, the service is different now. You really, you know, you're it's not uh, be- because this, the the nature of the conflicts we're in mm-hmm. are not necessarily like the ones in in, in even Korea. Or I think that Vietnam sort of changed the game a little bit. That yeah. your your loyalty is really to the to the Marines and to your fellow soldiers, and and that you know whether or not you agree with what's going on or whether you understand the politics of it, that's really not the issue. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that it, it's become difficult for for people who serve in the sense that they've sort of had to adjust to the fact that there is not necessarily a national momentum behind what they're doing.
1: Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. There's uh, if you look around who's fighting these wars is not america It's right. america's military right that's who's fighting these wars and I mean, that, it's it's business as usual around here i mean people are people were pulling their hair out because the lakers got swept right <laughs> you know yeah. we're, we're, we're dropping bombs in libya right we got we're, we're fighting battles in afghanistan and and you know holding off these ieds in iraq i mean we got people dying yeah, and getting on,
0: wounded every day but every day
1: nobody around here knows it
0: Well, I, did you where
1: did you serve And when
0: you did your tours of duty
1: um as far as overseas yeah. I served in uh uh I served in Liberia Africa went over there and helped secure the embassy there um and then I went to See Ukraine. like I didn't even know there was
0: a problem there.
1: Yeah there's a civil war going on in 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 Liberia and it spilled over into the capital city of Monrovia. Right. And it was threatening the US embassy there was you know people shooting and and we have a lot of allies a lot of uh, designated third country Uh, nationals that we had to evacuate as well i.e japan Uh they don't have a naval and marine force that can come pull up off the coast of liberia and get their people off so we got evacuated our embassy and then we also evacuated our allies
0: now but was there a moment when you were doing that where you're like no we got to go back for the japanese
1: guys (laughs) it's like these belgians are killing me (laughs) really we got to go back and get the belgians what did they ever do for us right um but yeah so you know but that's hey that's the deal you know was there shooting get your orders yeah yeah there was um, um, and then, uh, and then I served in Albania. What was going on there? Uh, it was when the Serbs had drove into Kosovo and were bombing and driving all the ethnic Albanians Under out Clinton? of Under Clinton? Yes. Yeah. Drove, they drove everybody out of, of, of Kosovo.
0: That must have been gnarly. I mean, it was bad there, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: it was. It was really bad. Um, um, and we had a huge humanitarian crisis. You know, we had, uh, uh, we had a lot of refugees, all these Kosovo, these ethnic Albanians that had been driven out of Kosovo, driven from their homes, uh, were, were massed on the Macedonia border and all the Albanian border. And we went in and we tried to help with that humanitarian problem because you've got hundreds of thousands of people just stranded on the border. Right. No shelter, no plumbing, no, you know, Wow. All of so we went in and we built all these refugee camps. Right. And, um. And then we and with our allies, it wasn't just us, you know, but there was American camps, British camps. And, right. You know, and uh, and they said, OK, come on down, guys. We, you know, we've got we've got food and showers and bathrooms and medical and everything you could want. And we're, mm-hmm. we're here to help. And they all said, no, we're not going.
0: So you built all this shit. and No one's. coming. Well,
1: no one's at first. They were like, we're not leaving. the We're not leaving because when they left their homes, they left on their tractors and they loaded up their wagons with everything they have. And they weren't about to leave it at the border. Right. Unattended.
0: Right. Right so because all they had left that's
1: all they had and and we're like well this can't go on so we came to a kind of somewhat sort of an understanding where women and children come on down to the camps Men, you stay with your gear yeah. so to speak and then yeah. that's pretty much what happened
0: and then did uh and what? then and
1: then we kept bombing kosovo we kept bombing the Serb army in kosovo and eventually the serbs said uh you know no moss we're out so they pulled out now when they pulled out you couldn't leave a vacuum of power so as they pulled out the, the allies pulled, you know, pushed in. Mm-hmm. So we we literally were, they would be backing out of a street as we were coming up the street. Really? Yeah, because... It, so you it, saw their
0: tanks and trucks Absolutely, leaving. absolutely.
1: Face-to-face face with them as we came in because, you know, you just really, you couldn't leave because the KLA, the Kosovo Liberation Army, was up in the hills and they wanted some payback. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and, and it it was just a very dicey situation. So you didn't know where it was going to come Right, from. and then the Serbs that were left behind, the Serb people that were left behind right. there were civilians they right. were afraid for their lives for right. for retribution from the KLA right and it, you know it was one of those things where we had to disarm everybody and protect everybody oh and my God. And, and nobody trusted anybody so everybody's shooting at everybody it was it was it was chaotic yeah and what was your rank uh, I was a captain at the time and
0: what does that mean um, who's under you uh,
1: first lieutenant second lieutenant and all the enlisted and, and, and above officers. you is major, lieutenant colonel, colonels, generals. Right. Yeah.
0: So you were you were site manager.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I was. Uh, you know, I was a public affairs, civil affairs officer, which means I dealt with information. I dealt with media. Um, if uh, Christiana Amapour one day showed up at our base and was right. like, uh, "I want to go see." I want to go see what's going on down in this town. I want to go see what's going on here. And you said do you I want said, some coffee? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said load up, I you know, put her in a Humvee and we we went, you know, and I would take her to wherever she wanted to go on the battlefield. Because if they're unescorted, a lot of times they can get themselves into trouble.
0: Right. Um So but were you uh so you weren't really directing troops? No, no, I, so. I didn't
1: have direct command of right. any troops. Okay. Um, but I worked as as uh support staff uh, staff officer uh-huh. uh, you know because you have a ground combat element you have an aviation combat element you have and combat service support wow and then you have a command element uh-huh. and i was always usually part of the command element I usually now, so were you for the command so
0: team. that so when someone like christiana on
1: wants to see stuff do you say like well what kind of tour do you want <laughs> like well, well the thing is like we can't we're, we're not in the business of denying anybody it's just we it's it's a courtesy thing right. where She'll come in and say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna go do these things," and I can say, "Well, there's a minefield over there, so uh-huh. don't do that." Uh-huh. Or I can say, "If you want, I can take you down there and introduce you the commanding officer of that town or whoever's in charge of that particular section." Wow! And then you know, make the proper introductions, so and, to
0: speak. And did you? Uh, and then did
1: you end up in Afghanistan? Yes. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and
0: you grew in rank. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, So I get a guaranteed flight contract. I take this test called the AQTFAR. It's like a, I don't know, which means you'll get to fly planes. It's like an SAT for planes. Right. All right. So I took that and I scored high enough. So I got a guaranteed flight contract. So uh, that's what you
0: wanted to do, which is
1: that's what I wanted to do, and yeah. I figured, you know, I mean, they're going to be a waiter upon graduation or Top Gun, so I'm going to do that.
0: And you might be able to be a commercial pilot.
1: Exactly, it yeah. could lead to other things. But I got into flight school, and I and I was going through flight school in Pensacola, and then I went over to Corpus Christi, and I was continuing flight school, and I was getting close to getting my wings. And what I realized was when I pinned those wings on, they got me for eight years. They own me. Yeah. I, I'm, it's, I'm done. That's it. Because they put a lot of
0: effort into yeah, absolutely you. a lot of money, yeah. a lot
1: of training, and right. I was like, you know what? If I pin those wings on that's it they got me for eight years and at the time I was a young man and I thought that's my whole life and yeah. I, I'm never gonna get a chance to act or try comedy yeah. and it really wasn't sitting well with me because I, I you know if I tried comedy and failed I could live with it yeah. I wouldn't like it yeah. but I could live with it but if yeah. I didn't try it I would always regret it and yeah. I knew that even then I knew that Yeah. so I was like alright I'm not going to fly anymore. I'm going to be a. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to be a comedian, and you know, you can imagine how that went over. I mean, everybody <laughs> in my flight class, my commanding officer, my girlfriend, even no, my parents. Everybody's like, "You're an idiot. What the fuck are you thinking about?" You yeah. know, and I was like, I "Just I, I can't describe it. I just know that I have to do it." Uh-huh. And I've never made a big, bold-ass decision like that in my life. That That's was a it. really bold-ass it decision. It was. It was, and I'd never done anything like it. But you're just... about to take control of a plane. Yeah, and, and the thing like... is, if you're flying off a ship at night, yeah. You gotta love it, man. You gotta be passionate about it. And all my all the guys in my flight class, we'd go out at night and they'd yeah. be talking with their hands, you know, like yeah, helicopters yeah, yeah. going, Yeah, so I was coming in and doing this, and they'd talk about the the days previous yeah, flight yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, let's go meet some girls. <laughs> you know, you know, look right. how that guy's dressed like a shithead. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. like this is awesome. Yeah. And I wouldn't it and those guys loved it and they were passionate about it because it was their dream. Yeah. And my dream was to do comedy and to be an actor and do comedy. Right. And so it got to that point where I had to make a decision and I did. And so the Marine said, Well, if you're not gonna fly, you gotta do your ground commitment and I was like, Fine, done. Um so How that, long was that? That was three years. Okay. So that's fine with me. I was like, deal. So I went to Defense Information School, I became a public affairs officer. Then they sent me out to the fleet and sent me to North Carolina. While I was in North Carolina, I went to school at night, so I stay out of trouble because it's very easy to get in trouble, you know. North Carolina. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, especially as a single man, you know, you just, uh, so I, I went to night school (laughs) uh, the whole, I got a master's degree in public administration while I was there during that time. Uh And then I was done. My time was up. I'd served my commitment. All my contract was fulfilled. And I said, peace out. Thanks for the memories. Um, I'm going to Chicago and I'm going to be a bartender and I'm going to study at second city because that's what Belushi did. Yeah. And fuck it. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I even moved my stuff into a storage unit in Chicago. And I was ready to move. I was, it was all done. Yeah. And I was calling friends. I mean, everything. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Marines came to me and they said, well, what would it take for you to stay in the Marine Corps? And I said, well, nothing. You know, I'm, I'm going done. to Chicago. <laughs> I'm, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny time. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, what if we could get you to New York City or Los Angeles? And I said, if you can do that, yeah, I'll, I will stay in. I will extend on active duty. for. I'll sign another extension for three years and they what said is that's
0: not a reserve thing that's it, a, it's
1: a active duty thing so I'd, I'd still be on active duty but it's not like being um, augmented where you become a lifer right it's just an extension on wait do you have to duty. wear the
0: uniform during the day oh yeah yeah because
1: yeah, you're full-time active duty okay yeah you're not reserve you're full-time right. active duty so i said yeah I'll, I'll extend for three more years if you can do that next morning they called my bluff orders to new york city so i was like well where's the base it's not a base. It's a it's a little office uh right there on 3rd and 50th. Uh right above Smith and Wilensky's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um so they and I was like deal cuz I, I figured and they, they're putting you up. Uh, yeah, well, I was a captain at the time, so they, you know, they uh they give you what's called variable housing allowance. Uh-huh. So for whatever zip code you're in, they have they have a go- uh, some sort of government actuary who figures right. out, you know. Yeah. So I, I I moved to New York City and I got a, a little studio apartment, three hundred about this size, three hundred fifty square feet. Size of the garage? Yeah, three hundred fifty yeah. square feet. Sight unseen, I just got it, moved up there and started. the First thing I did, uh, I went out to the comic strip live on Upper East Side. I it was on eighty con- first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Second. Yeah, yeah, because I lived on seventy fifth and second. Yeah. and I went up there and I and they said they taught classes and I was like, well, this is it. So yeah. I went in and I took a class. <laughs> And uh, I took a class, and you know he had had a lot of great things to say, but his style of comedy wasn't what I envisioned. What'd you envision? I envisioned storytelling, right? la Bill Cosby or Eddie Murphy, because I grew, I saw Delirious and it changed my life. Yeah. And uh, that was your moment. That was my moment. That's when I was like, because I spent years quoting that, you know. Yeah. And I just thought it was. I just loved the journey he took me on. And he stayed for the whole class. Stayed for the whole course. Got and on stage. Got that on, means on stage the end, at you the end, Got on With on your stage. jokes. Yep. That and he
0: joled you into writing short jokes. Short jokes. And I did five minutes. In front of an audience at the front. comic strip. Yep. Uh, a lot of free tickets. Yep. Uh, bridge and a tunnel. pretty good house, pretty sure, good, sure. good size. Because sure. the
1: class brought in a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, and how'd you do? I don't remember any of it. I literally just got up and I, it went fine. Like I saw the tape later. Yeah. And it went like people were laughing and enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. But it was my pulse. I'd never, I never, real fear. Real blackout, <laughs> blackout fear where I was like, and I know like I have no, I'll, I'll attack a hill, Not but, yet. but I, I honestly, it's a different kind of fear. It was uh it was really exposing yourself, yourself. Sure. To, it's the same to fear to of singing heavy judgment. Yes. Yeah. And, and, heavy judgment, and, and and it's also a dream that you're like, Oh God, I hope this works. I mean, it was all, it's just, I, and then the more you think about it, you so I went up and I did it and it went fine. But I remember when it was done, I remember thinking I hated that. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated <laughs> Why? It. Because I, 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 just didn't feel right. I, I wasn't doing my comedy, which was storytelling, and, and 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 I hated the fear and I hated that anxiety and I just hated it
0: of going of heading towards the yeah, stage. Yeah, and I was and like,
1: and I remember thinking I made a colossal mistake. I, can, I have no business in comedy. I got no business. Oh really? Oh yeah. And but you're still oh, in uniform though. Well, yeah, but you could have uh, made up for it. Yeah, I could have, but I, but I didn't want, and I'm not. A, I don't like to quit. Yeah, I hate it. Matter of fact, the only thing I've ever quit in my life was fly school. Uh huh. Ever. Yeah. Ever. I and mean even even Duke like comedy. even things that you know I hated. I yeah. still would f- f- see it through at least till because, the end. Well, why? Oh, because I don't know. My somebody told me a long time ago quitting is a bad habit and da 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 da. And I bought into that. I really did. And so you still believe it? I do. I do. <laughs> I mean I think I think I'm more Does this go with relationships. I'm more measured. Well? Uh, Are you married? I am married. How I long have you been married? married? 12 years. And how long are they before? But I'm lucky because it's effortless. Oh, okay. good. It really is. So that's that's not a struggle. It's not. I'm not sticking in that because I'm No, no, said. no. I, I just <laughs> I was curious how long you went with her before. You know. Oh, just about two years. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we've been together, know. I think, total 14. So you met her after you made the decision to be a comic?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: As a matter of fact, I was moving from North Carolina to New York. Yeah, and I, had, I, I hadn't used any of my leave, and I had to use it or I would lose it. Right. So I was like, all right, I'll take 10 days, and I went home to Kansas City to see my family. Yeah. And just hang out, play golf, see some old buddies, whatever. Yeah, get yeah, Get yeah. around for 10 yeah, days. Yeah, sure. And I, that's where I met her, back home.
0: That And you didn't know her when you were younger? No. It's just a coincidence? Yeah.
1: Where'd you sure. meet her? Uh, I, I, uh, a friend of mine who's a girl, um, I called her and I said, hey, I'm back in town, uh, you know, let's grab a beer. And she had a boyfriend at the time, but uh-huh. whatever. And I said, well, mm-hmm. you know, it's all. And so she's, oh, great, and I'll bring a friend from work. And I was like, is she cute? And yeah. she was. Uh-huh. And we hit it off like gangbusters. And and, she... then that, and you had to break it to her that you were quitting the Marines and not uh, going to well, be a pilot had, to yeah, pursue I, comedy? Yeah, exactly. Well, at the time, I was still in the Marines. So I was like, oh, I'm still in the Marines. Right. I'm going to New York. And I <laughs> yeah. uh, did all that. But anyway, so uh, uh, where was I? So you,
0: you, you had a horrible time at the comic strip and right. you hated the fear and anxiety. Right. And, and I it remember wasn't what you wanted to do. I called a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh,
1: a friend of a friend yeah. was Dave Keckner. Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. So yeah. I have a, I have a friend who was friends with Dave Keckner. Right. And my friend said, Call Dave. And I said, Oh, I don't know. That's kind of weird because he doesn't know me from a hole yeah. in the wall. And I'm just going to be this schlub who's. Yeah. But okay, I did it because I, I'm not going to quit. And so I called him and I said, Here's what happened. I hated it. Da, 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 da. He did just, you say it like that? I don't know what yeah, you're going to do. Did you cry? In my head, that's what it sounded like.
0: to my... help me, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and Keckner was he was great. He was like he's like dude, relax. He goes, you know, you're just starting out. Yeah, all right. He goes, go. I have some friends from Chicago, who have just moved out to New York. And they're doing their the basically second city, you know, like Improv Olympic, all that stuff that they they did in. So Chicago. it's Besser and Polar and Besser Polar Walsh and, and Roberts. Yeah. And and and, they, yeah, and that it's was called their, the Upright Citizens. The
0: League. original one on what, was it twenty second or something? It was well, yeah, one...
1: that was the original theater, but this is even before that. This is when they just had rented a space at Solo Arts. Oh yeah, on, yeah, yeah, upstairs. On 18th, yeah, the yeah, fifth, yeah, you know, those yeah, rickety yeah. old stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I went and I saw their ASCAT show on Sunday night. And that was it, man. I was like, "That's it. That's what." Oh, it it was like honestly, like the clouds had parted, you know. uh, The light hit me, you know, just like Blues Brothers, you know. And I was like, "That's it. This is it. This is what I want to do." So immediately, I went up afterward. and I said, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm taking classes and that, and that's it." I got into the classes. I took. They had three levels at the time. That's so funny. The difference between
0: what I picture sitting with D.F. Swedler <laughs> being told to write one liners yeah. that are efficient yeah. and then walking into whatever, uh, you know, Matt named and, Amy and uh, Ian yeah. and Matt had going on. Yeah. It just must have been like, this is a lie. Yeah.
1: It yeah. was. It really had a sense of sure. Uh, just, and I was so amazed at how they were playing so well together, and and they anticipated. And you a like and, your team
0: sport kind of guy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, you know, the ensemble
1: is, made sense to me. Right. And you know so, how to work with people.
0: Yes. Yeah, it did. You weren't one of those guys where it's like fuck people. I just want a microphone. <laughs>
1: that's what scares you. It's like we're, I need support. Yeah. 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 Because and and it, they were serving the comedy. It, they weren't serving themselves in uh-huh. any way. It was just. I don't know, I just watched it I was blown away. So I took all the classes yeah. and I spent the next seven years taking classes or teaching classes or doing lights and sound for other people's shows or coaching younger teams or whatever but you're I you're still do. in uniform here. I was. I was for three up of until those years. for three of those years. And then Did you ever perform in uniform?
0: No. No. Out of respect for the uniform? Yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh. And also,
1: uh, yeah. Basically that, and also uh, I, I always, I always kept those two worlds as separate as I could. You didn't talk about it. I did. I mean, people knew what I did. I mean, yeah. I was like, yeah, because I would, I would go to you work. Must
0: have been such an anomaly to them. Well, a little bit. They,
1: I mean, it would be one of those things. Like, oh, did you hear about Riggle? He's, uh, he's doing yucks down there downtown somewhere. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't no, want explain on, but, to explain it to him but either. On either side.
0: I mean yeah. you must have been an anomaly in both worlds. Like, and, you're not, and you're right about that. You're not going to tell the marine guys that you're doing stand up. <laughs> you're not going to tell the stand up guys that you're marine. Yeah.
1: So you live Well, they, they knew I was in the Marines right away cuz my haircut. I had two white walls. But did they know yeah. you were active? Yeah. Yeah, they did. That's but they way, but that's they were a... all they were all really respectful of it. Like no one was uh, Well, you must have been good. Well, maybe. I don't but they 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 I'm not saying that it there's a fundamental
0: ahead. disrespect for yeah, yeah, yeah. for the troops. Obviously, yeah, everybody yeah. respects the troops, yeah. but but the the idea that there I could just see that there <laughs> must have been some nervousness in, on some level. Like it's a marine taking classes. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: and you know when I would and I would uh, I would. You know, you try to you try to fit in. I don't think anybody walks in and says, "Fuck you, I'm a marine," this, "I'm going to do this." I I would a character. I would, would. grunge it up. I would grunge it up. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I I couldn't hide the hair, and I had to be clean shaven. But but I would you know, I'd put on yeah. a baggy flannel baggy flannel, yeah, and you know, yeah. and I'd you whatever, yeah. you know, and uh, and then you know. I like the whole idea of a double life that you couldn't <laughs> tell either side what you were really up to. But I, and I did I I did try to uh, actively keep them separated because you know the two different hats you know when you put on especially if you're an officer uh, you don't want to be acting like a jackass because people are looking to you for answers and they you're you're the responsible adult in the room and you you have to conduct yourself in a way that So was there a fear that you would get caught performing? No no <laughs> You know, in fact, it got to the point where I invited invited people from the office uh-huh. down, and you know, uh, down to shows yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like you get, but yeah. but improv, you know, improv too. Sure. it's it's one of those things where it's hit or miss, and right? Especially right. when you're first starting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have great shows. you be like, "That was magic," yeah. and then sometimes you'd be like, "That was the worst piece of shit Couldn't I've find ever been." Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, and those would be the nights I'd invite people down to, oh. and they'd be like, well, "Keep uh-huh. at it, Regal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> keep working at that. You know? Nice hobby." And I'd be like, mm-hmm. "And then you're then you're constantly in the defensive where you're like, like, fuck off! It's really fun.'" It's good. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. It'll be good. <laughs> Why but... don't you guys see that? <laughs> exactly. Damn it. Exactly. So now what? So what happened? How do you? Okay. End so up... then. Oh. So then, at my at the end of that three years, the Marine said, "Okay, it's time to, time to go to your next duty station," and they wanted to send me. But oh, you were yeah. supposed to be done. Well. If I wanted to stay on active duty, let me put it that way. If I but wanted you to stay did. But active. you
0: took you took yep. the deal to New York, yep. and that was a three year deal. And I did those three years. Okay, and now so you're now you three my contra- years
1: into improv too, yep. and my and my contract's up. And they say now if you want to stay on active duty, you got to go to a new a new assignment. And I said, well, no, I'm not leaving New York, so they, I, I left the marine. I left active duty. Right. And then I joined the reserves. You joined that on, on purpose. Yeah, because you're you're automatically in the reserves whether you like it or not when you leave active duty. For at least four years. Really? Yeah. Now it's inactive, ready reserve, meaning you can grow your hair long, you know, you can grow a goatee, you can do whatever you I mean, want. You're no- gonna have
0: to take it off when they call you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it also means you're not you're not going to be called unless it's a time of national emergency. Right. So it's it's you're basically out, all right. But they keep you on the rolls in case. Someone nuked New York. Right. So, and they needed a quick call up. They could go back and they could reach back to everybody who's been out for the last four years and say, You're still in the IRR, individual ready reserve. You're coming and back. And you on just decided duty. to, for,
0: for what reason did you decide to go and go ahead and join the active reserve? Well, because this was,
1: it was 2000, pretty peaceful.
0: Uh, it was, you know. So you figured. Yeah. I was and, in, I, I had
1: nine years in.
0: And if you join active reserves, there's a benefit to that. You still get paid or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You
1: still get a retirement. Okay. If you do 20. Right. So I was like, well, well you know I'm, know, I'm nine years in. Yeah. It's peaceful, and you know, I do my drill days. They're yeah. not that hard. right? It's not bad. Oh, I'll do it. And I'm still doing my theater. I'm still doing my, I'm just not interfering with my yeah. comedy. So I was like, eh, done deal. So then 9-11 happens, and uh, um, my reserve unit is in Manhattan. We were the only reserve unit in Manhattan. So we were activated on September 11th. That night, I got a call from my commanding officer in my reserve unit saying, we just got orders, report to Ground Zero tomorrow morning. So September 12th. I was down at Ground Zero, holy shit, um, in uniform, yeah, working on the Bucket Brigades, yeah, moving rubble by hand, right. Um, this is on the twelfth. This is on the twelfth. From the twelfth to the eighteenth, so, I worked on the Bucket Brigades on the northeast corner of Tower One. Just that 1. smoldering heap of uh, yeah, just, and it was six stories high. Yeah, and, and the smell was unforgettable. It was pulverized, metal, uh, it's concrete, like burning and, metal. It's burning metal, but pulverized concrete that got wet. And then it would be turned into this paste and this and the, and it was
0: it, it was, moon, I was there. I and, it, was, and it was moon dust.
1: You remember the moon dust yeah. effect? How fine that, that powder yeah, it was? It was horrendous.
0: It was everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I was in a story of Queens when, you know, when uh when the second tower went down I went to my roof. Yeah. And uh and I just remember going into the city once you could finally get in and that smell was around for like it felt like months.
1: Yeah. It was. And it was in, it would get in your nostrils too, because I lived up around I lived around around forty fourth street. In Manhattan, and and it, and when the wind shifted, it would blow right up into our apartment. It was almost like a chemical it. smell. Yeah, it was it was an awful. So f- d- but I, but I worked down there from the twelfth to the sixteenth, moving rubble by hand, for twelve just, hours on, oh twelve God, hours was Just off. the horror of it when these family huh? members uh, and it was, it was it was it was a very tough time for everybody. For yeah, everybody. Yeah, I mean, everyone was in shock. But at least it. I I considered myself in the in a weird kind of way lucky because if you remember that time everybody we had just been really sucker punched and everybody wanted to help they wanted to do something oh, yeah, yeah remember that feeling sure. I, what can i do what can i do sure everybody had it and i was i felt kind of lucky because i was i was able to do something i was helping yeah i was on i was working yeah you know i was moving stuff 12 hours on 12 hours off just doing it doing
0: it and what was what was going on at that time down there i mean i mean i know it's so right after but i mean yeah. was there there panic there was so much panic and chaos or did it, they it coordinate there off was a
1: panic down there there uh, i'll tell you on on one of the early like maybe 13th or 14th yeah we were afraid that that other building the one that had it looked like a big claw had just gouged out the front of it yeah i forget which building it was but it, there was a fear that it was going to collapse yeah and but we had to keep working because we thought there we were still it was still search and rescue at that point it wasn't search and recovery at that point so we thought there might be survivors so you got six stories of rubble you're trying to move all the stuff by hand because you couldn't bring in the heavy equipment right yet because yep. you didn't want any cave-ins and you didn't we were still thinking and you had, no,
0: had no idea what was going on inside the rubble exactly yeah
1: so so we were moving things by hand we dropped listening devices down there everything they go they call for silence you could hear a pin drop i mean you talk about hardcore working you know bang 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 yeah, yeah. you know someone blow a whistle nothing just absolute silence and then they'd sound the whistle you know you know the all clear and everybody go back to work Well, one time there was one time down there that they sounded like an old air raid horn, you know, ah! And everybody took off. I mean, like ants running off a hill, just everybody ran off the rubble. military piles. and otherwise everybody. Yeah. everybody. Yeah, firefighters, any, yeah. anybody any worker down there. because they apparently they thought the building was going to collapse. Oh the we, one that yeah, went. yeah, and it was going to come down. So that was the only time that I felt any panic down there. Did it collapse? No, it didn't collapse. but like I remember as I turned the corner, there was a, uh, a light you know, one of those mobile lights set yeah. up that come on a trailer yeah. um, for the night work. And uh, the trailer hitch was sticking out and I my legs got pinned up against it and people started pushing behind me. And, I, and for a minute, I thought they're going to break my legs Ugh. because the, just the wave of people behind me. Right. And I couldn't get my legs out. And thank God I was big enough that I just I just elbowed back and kind of just gave myself <laughs> yeah, enough yeah. room to, to get over it. It's a good thing to do at concerts too. <laughs> so how long did you spend down there at Ground Zero? The 12th to the 18th on the piles from the 18th to September 30th in one police plaza helping to coordinate mm, military and civilian efforts like cadaver dogs or, yeah. you know, anything we can do. Mm-hmm. Why you, you have know. any health repercussions from? I, uh, I don't think I do. I mean, I, I've always been kind of conscious, conscious of that. Like, yeah. you know, I check every now and then, but feel I, all right? I, I have pretty good respiratory. Yeah, pretty, yeah, I feel I feel all right. And then uh, um, and then after that, I, I, uh, I got called back to active duty uh, November, November 10th. I remember because it was the Marine Corps birthday. Yeah. And uh, I reported on November 17th to Central Command down in Tampa, Florida. And on November 30th, I was in Afghanistan. So 20 days from the time I got my orders, I was in Afghanistan.
0: Was there there wasn't even a defined mission, was there?
1: Well, when I got there, we, uh, we hadn't even taken the southern part of the country. And this is when your rank changed? No. My rank changed at the end of my tour uh, when I was done with my year tour. Yeah. Um, I went from captain to major. Um, and then just two years ago, I went from major to lieutenant colonel. Wow. So
0: what, what was going on in Afghanistan that first? I, mean that- um,
1: I went over and uh, was working with the, uh, um, the 3rd Battalion, 5th Special Forces Group in mazar sharif up in the north, and they were working with the Northern Alliance, uh, and we were, you know, just securing the country, taking out the Taliban, taking out Al-Qaeda, and uh, we so hadn't taken just, the southern part of the country yet, and then eventually- What was your job then? I mean, it Civil affairs and public affairs. Again, uh, working for the commanding but officer. shooting, right? No, no. I, I mean, I had my weapon. I had my weapon out a couple times, um, but uh, but no, no shooting. And that was the last tour you did? That was the last tour overseas, yeah.
0: And was that Harry? I mean, or was it mostly trying to unify, uh, find some front
1: of support there? Yeah, I mean, we, we the Northern Alliance, you know, they, they, they had hated the Taliban and, and Al-Qaeda for a long time. So, yeah, yeah, so. but
0: it's like, you know, our, it's almost ancient tribal warfare. Yeah,
1: yeah. But we teamed up with them and got rid of the Taliban in the north, which helped set up, you know, the eventual uh, securing of the south. Uh-huh. Um, so. Now, in
0: retrospect, now, as a... You're still in. Mm-hmm. You're a lieutenant colonel now. Yeah. I mean, now what do you? How do you react to the swirling left? Uh, yeah. I mean, I did Air America for years. I'm yeah. a lefty, but yeah. you know, like 9/11 was an inside job. Bush yeah. was uh, and Cheney were the Antichrist. <laughs> I mean, do you just stay out of the dialogue or what? I,
1: I honestly, you, yeah. Like, a lot of times you,
0: I do because
1: well, it, you served under Clinton. I, I mean, did. You ser- I mean, you're Absolutely. a military guy. Yeah. So no, it, I, I can I can actually say that uh, you know. Bush sent me to war. Clinton sent me to war. You know, right? It's, you know, so that's it. So you just honor the 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 service in the country. And the it's not. You don't your... want your military to make their own decisions. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want that. You want civilian leadership of your military. And if your civilian leadership says go, you go. And if they say stay, you stay. So
0: now, how long do you stay on active duty? Are you just going to keep letting it ride out. You're going to do the no. I'm or I'm going
1: to retire next year. I think because um, um, you're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think now i feel fine I, yeah. now i can retire um, so after
0: afghanistan you come back and what you go yeah, back I come to back, the ucb I, I, yeah
1: i got back in 2002 yeah and then i went back to the ucb kept working in 2004 i got on saturday Night live wow so i mean it just i was very fortunate now though. when
0: you audition for something like that when you're yeah. sitting there with lauren michaels i've been through
1: that process yeah you told him you were a marine right um no I didn't tell him. I think maybe he might have heard or maybe he knew. Did he ask you about it? No. No. Lauren asks weird questions. He I know he does. He doesn't ask regular questions. What did he ask you? He asked me if I dyed my hair. Uh-huh. Did he ask you <laughs> did he make you look him in the eye? No, I mean, he was nice. He wasn't mean or like he just asked random questions. That's all. I mean, he was he was polite to me and 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 we had I thought we had pretty nice dialogue and stuff, but And you were on the show for a year? Yeah. Yeah. Just Why idea. did that stop? Um, I never got a, a good answer, but I did have someone over there kind of talk to me about it. Cause I, I, I by most people's account, I had a pretty good year, Yeah, but, you know? Right. Like, yeah. You did a lot um, of stuff. Uh, but I think what it was, was this is what I it, it was explained to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not. So yeah. take it all for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, they had a big cast, four, yeah. you know, 14, 15. Yeah. And I was the only guy hired that year.
0: Right. So well, you the first it
1: usually, you know, if you have a freshman class, you get, you know, three, four guys, gals. You yeah. kind of come in with a group of other people. yeah. yeah. And uh, they there were was, just the one guy. I was one guy. One new guy hired that year. And it was an election year, yeah. which usually in election years, I think SNL gets a big ratings yeah. bump yeah, because people check back in with the show and they want right. to see how they're going to do the debates and all that stuff. And for whatever reason, I think 2004 was just a, a real shitty election <laughs> and i don't think people were really jazzed about it so I, we, they didn't get quite the balance they wanted uh-huh so i think first one or last one in first one out I think yeah, yeah. so the marine had to go Marine had to go Yeah. but you'd done other stuff
0: right i mean it wasn't like you just didn't go out and come out of nowhere and do saturday night live you did uh what did you do before that weren't you doing bits uh, sketches on conan yes yeah i was very on...
1: fortunate because the the casting director for conan o'brien would come down and went to the ucb and see us do yeah, shows yeah. And so I got invited to do a bunch of bits on Conan, and it was never—I never got to do stand-up on yeah. Conan, but I, I would go do uh, any bit. I was always a security guard for him, or I'd play Tarzan, or man in the audience, or the big guy, yeah, big guy, or yeah, some yeah. jerk, yeah, or, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and they there were always fun, fun little bits. And um, so anyway, but that happened before SNL. Then I did SNL, which was a dream come true. I have no regrets about it. Yeah. you know, I mean, and and. It, it, might have been the best case scenario. Get in, get out. Sure. Yeah. So I was, I, I just love it's it. It's
0: broken some people.
1: Yeah. It, it's a lot of people. I still talk to some people who were on the show that are, they can't let it go. They're just. Oh really? Yeah, they better. talk about it like it's nom? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I'm like, move on. It's yeah. all right, man. And yeah, that's the thing about show business too. Like I was so naive. I, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't know anything. I was very green. Yeah. And and so when I got on, SNL, it's one of those things where you're like, ba boom. Yeah. Done and done. Yeah. Now I just sit back and let it all happen. And you, what you what you realize, you, yeah, when you realize when you get shit canned yeah. is, oh, yeah. the show business is not there's no, there's no finish line. No. It's you go from gig to gig. Yeah. That's all you do. In and if you get a good gig, you hope you do it for a while.
0: Yeah, you have to stash yeah. a little cash enough to get you the next gig.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But if you choose a life of show business, if you're getting into it for any other reason than love of acting or love of comedy, you are it's a fool's errand. Yeah, yeah, you and know? that's because there's no quitting with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So when you got you got canned from Saturday Night yeah. Live, you didn't even think. Dude. Oh, I, I honestly that night, I remember I got the call and I was like, they said, you know, they're not going to pick up your contract. And I was, I, it hurt. I'm not going to lie. I was, it's all those feelings of self doubt and this, that, and the yeah, other. Back and, to the UCB and like, it's over you. and I'm, yeah. you know, oh God, uh, and the embarrassment. Oh da da da. Embarrassment. I, yeah, I was embarrassed because I. I could have in my mind I feel like I could have done better. I could have done th- some things different. Isn't that interesting because like I feel that too and I think
0: that like you know when you talk about uh, outside of your you, that stand up wasn't for you. Yeah. That that one of the reasons we do this is it's to control embarrassment. It's to fight <laughs> off embarrassment. Yeah. Like if we're if we can make people laugh in that moment you we're not embarrassed. We're right. winning. Yes, but that moment that they're not laughing, or that moment where you're like, you don't have control over yeah. your comedy. That flop sweat, <laughs> fuck, dude. <laughs> oh, it's a lonely, cold right. feeling. Well, that's that's the fear. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, you could, be, you could be up in the mountains of Afghanistan. Yeah. You're not gonna be like, am I okay? You know, yeah. do I look all right?
1: Yeah, Does everybody love me? Yeah.
0: <laughs> everybody? Yeah. Good? No. No. But the other thing, huh? I don't know. Holy fuck! So yeah. you felt
1: embarrassed? Yeah, I was just well, and I was I was disappointed in myself public. a little it's a bit. Public thing. It is a public thing, you know. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, it's a high profile thing. Sure. You, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it was my first thing, uh. my first real thing. So what know? did you
0: summon up in yourself to to carry on? What? Give me some marine tips.
1: Well, I just I, you, it's the convers it's the self talk. It really is. I, I I immediately got off the phone, sat there, felt sorry for myself for about thirty minutes. Holy shit, and then, I, did, I, I made a career out of that for six years. Didn't, didn't <laughs> but then after that, I was like, well, what, you start asking yourself questions. Like, well, what are you going to do now? What's it going to be? Are you going to, what are you going to do? Right. Because if you take it, then, I mean, what are you? What are, if you, you know, it, it, it sounds like a locker room pump up talk, but you do, you have that conversation where you're like, all right, let's go. What's the next thing? We got to get into. This. We got to do this. Uh, you, you're working on a script. Finish that script. Let's set a date to finish it. Okay. This is you talking yeah, out loud absolutely. to yourself. Absolutely. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to finish that script before September first. Done and done. Got right. it. That is a lock that is going to happen and then i'm going to shop that around and now i need to get out to california because when i got the information i was in kansas and i'm getting i got to get out to california because i got i got to go set up some pitch meetings because i'm going to write a sitcom and then uh, uh you know I, and you and just you start, did all those things you start thinking yeah absolutely you start thinking about it and and then i was lucky enough uh to audition for the daily show yeah uh and i got it yeah and
0: that was your big break
1: that yeah, i think i think that was because that that allowed me to be myself more yeah, and and gave mm-hmm. me a, a a nice platform, and John was wonderful to me, and I grew. Yeah, I didn't. When I you
0: kind of got that that intense thing that you do, yeah. you found your comic <laughs> kind of voice. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And and uh, it was it was nice because I wasn't living in fear. Uh, John was very supportive. Uh-huh. You know, and yeah. if I, if I failed, I didn't feel like I was going to be fired. Right. You know, if I failed, I failed, and I felt bad, and I and I would ask myself, how do I not do that again? I never thought. How do I keep my job?
0: Right. Well, you knew it was just between you and John. I yeah. think that when, you're, when you get into a machine like SNL, yeah. you're like sort of like, where did it come from? <laughs> why, you know, why me? Yeah. You know, what were the politics involved? And yeah. you can only speculate. But I think John was probably straight with you.
1: Yeah. He absolutely was.
0: And uh, I forgot to ask you, did you play sports too? I did. And in, you were in a fraternity? I
1: uh, I was. i know i know no 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 it's It's right down the line man it is
0: well no i just like there's part like i'm from
1: kansas i'm a big white guy from kansas who played football and was in a fraternity but you were
0: never a bully i
1: honestly never was uh because i'm not getting that because
0: like you know i'm I'm solving a big problem in my life right now because i just assume that you and what you represent outside the military service was the enemy
1: oh i get it I get it. And you want to know why I get it? Why? Because I spent my ju- I was a, know, right there. You should say because
0: you're a pussy,
1: <laughs> 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 and then just come over and just yeah, nuggy, just yeah. hardcore <laughs> wedgy and nuggy. You were um, a little baby. No, yeah. uh, I was a late bloomer, uh-huh. and I, when I say late, yeah, I didn't go through puberty until my sophomore year in high school. I was, oh, really?
0: Late bloomer. That's wild. So. And you were flying by your your junior year of high school. <laughs> were you in a plane? No, oh. no. Um, I was. Uh, oh, first year college. Been, yeah, 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 it was my first year. Making college. up for that time.
1: But I, um, it was it was the summer. Uh, it was the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. When I hit puberty. Yeah. So my entire junior high existence, I was running for my life. People, girls, could beat me up. Uh-huh. and they would try and you were laughed at in the locker room i was laughed at in the locker room because i had a bald eagle yeah and we had mandated we eagle. had mandatory shower days yeah. that i used to get sick on yeah i would run in fear i mean the, all the guys were getting bigger than me so yeah. all of a sudden my sports prowess was i didn't have any uh-huh. um i i literally was running for my life and when i say that i mean it i uh because you know when i was in ninth grade like seventh graders that had gone through puberty that were like man child yeah you know they'd be like hey fuck you Riggle," yeah and I'd, I'd have to take it oh i'd have to take it because i couldn't i knew i couldn't do anything about it and then i remember there was this girl who was this this girl she was a rough neck girl kind of a we called him druggers back then and yeah she was just kind of rough and just awful and she would grab guys and like muscle them up against the wall and stuff and i i was afraid of her because i knew that and it's the shame of if she muscles me in any way, I have to take it or fight her. And if I fight her, there's a real good chance I could lose. And so I, I, I avoided her like the plague. And she would see me between lunch. You know after lunch, we all had to wait before they would release us back fear to class. Fear in your eyes. And she'd be like, where's Riggle? Oh, she'd bark out things like that. And yeah. I would hide in the boys' restroom. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I, I lived a life of fear for a long time. So when I finally hit puberty. Thank God. And I huh? finally got... Started to grow and and get some you know, size or whatever. Never once did it ever occur to me to be mean to anybody. You know, like I would never. You put, just
0: didn't want to feel the fear again.
1: I didn't want to put that on anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would never put that on anybody. That's a good story. Um, Now I did get in fights, but they were usually equally matched fights. You know what I mean. Later,
0: after puberty. Yeah, yeah. Like drunken fights or drunken. You know, you're one of those guys. No, but
1: no, 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 not, not, not. I'm sorry. I keep trying to put put you in a box. I I apologize. Uh, Does that happen? But I think everybody's had an experience where they've gotten drunk and have been like, man, what? You know, and and so it's like that. And um, but
0: you didn't go out seeking fights with. Oh God, no,
1: no, 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 no. But you can fight if yeah i mean it's it's, you don't want to you know know, know. yeah but i get it yeah but i i i could defend myself and uh so no that's why i would never put that on people and it's so funny that you mentioned that though because i do notice a lot of times a lot of the comedy writers that i work with have a almost instantaneous i got you sized up right i know i know who you are you're the enemy i know who you are and i know what you're about yeah and usually it takes Right. We've been fighting for centuries. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it takes about six months and then they and then the walls are down and it's always worth six out months. Fine. Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time no to, kidding. to 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 get them to relax. But you don't try, you just be yourself. Exactly. Right. And I but I I, I sometimes been been not bend over backwards, but go out of my way to let them know. It's safe. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah. not here to do anything other than make good comedy with you.
0: Yeah. Um. And where was your first experience with that? With uh, oh, there, show? there were a couple guys. Well, on. I mean, you were you did Human Giant with the uh, with oh yeah with
1: you, Hugh Will and Shear. Yeah. Yeah, but those are my bros. Right. I, you know, I love those guys. We were we we're on the same improv team for years. Yeah. So you're all pretty cocky. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd you come into contact with the group of writers? Oh, okay, Daily Show. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. Those guys, Who let the
1: jock in? Yeah, yeah, A lot of that, but but at the same time, they're so wildly talented, right? That all I wanted to do was work with them. That's all. I just wanted to work with them, and yeah. and we all did. Even I mean, it, it all worked out. We were all got along great, and we did work well together. So, but you can tell, you can tell by the look in their eyes. Sometimes they're like, mm, "Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. What do you can do kick my ass. Yeah, you can kick I my guess, ass. I guess that's how it is. Yeah. Like I, I just, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I really didn't. Please, uh, you just remind them of everything. I think I do. I of really, of course. I think I do remind them of of bad times. So it's
0: just funny. You are like a a general funny man.
1: Yeah, you do try. A lot,
0: you do a little bit of everything. Well, yeah, try. You got the funnier die stuff. You got everything. Well, and you know,
1: stand up. Going back to stand up, though, oh, we'll jump back. Full circle. The full circle. I when I was on the Daily Show, I shared an office with John Oliver. Okay? I love for, him. Yeah. For three years, we shared yeah, an yeah. office. Yeah, it's very funny. And we did nonstop bits the whole time. I mean. To the point where his office, we would sit this close, as close as you and I are yeah. right now. And I would pick up the phone and call him yeah. and pretend to be somebody. And he would play the bit with me for, oh, I mean, we do this nonstop. Yeah. right? Well, eventually, and he would come down and see me do improv at the UCB. And I dragged him up a couple times and made him, you know, and yeah. he did it. yeah, And I was so proud of him because yeah. he, you know, it's not his world. yeah, and, But he, he did great because he's funny and he, he knows, great. he yeah, knows yeah, a yeah. bit. Yeah. So then he put it back on me. Oh, really? He's, yeah. like, he's like, you got to do stand up. Uh-huh. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. He Makes goes, me sweat. Yeah. And got, hate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, tough. He goes, yeah. he goes you want to be a comedian? You got to be a comedian. Oh, good for him. And he, and he put it on me, and, and I kind of liked the challenge. So yeah. I, was like, I was like, all right, game on. So I, I just started going down the piano room, the slipper room, UCB, Hump Nights, sure. any place that would give me five minutes. And I'd get up, and I would do, but I would do it my way, which yeah. was storytelling. Right. And it felt so much better this time around, and maybe I had a little more confidence from being on stage yeah. at UCB. So just stage yeah, ability. SNL, the Daily Show. Yeah, it, you probably have a little, a little confidence. Well, just a little more. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, um, I, so I did. I was just went and did five minutes here, yeah, five yeah, minutes here, tweak yeah, it, tweak yeah, it, tweak yeah, it, yeah. and eventually I, I built a set. Uh, I got I'm, I'm you know sixty minutes, and and now I I go out and do stand up, and I love it. I absolutely love it
0: and people come they know you people come, you they kill. come.
1: yeah I, I do pretty well That's i mean great. it works out yeah, yeah it's 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 good i remember though lewis black when i was just starting out doing yeah. this you know yeah uh, I, lewis would be outside of the daily show when he would come and he'd be smoking or yeah, a cigarette sure. or whatever and I'd, I'd pop out to see him because you're like the anti-lewis <laughs> well he was lewis and he's one of my idols yeah, so i would sure. be like i anytime he was around i'd go hit him up for a conversation yeah. or just sure. be around him i don't he's know a very
0: sweet guy he is and, yeah.
1: and so I i went out one time and i i said hey Louis, you know I'm, I'm working on my stand-up you know and yeah. he goes oh it's great it's great i go yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm up to 30 minutes yeah and he goes he took a long drag and just looked at me he goes you got seven <laughs> <laughs> and he was totally <laughs> right he was i had seven probably seven good minutes out of that 30 and, and i was like oh, that's classic yeah, That's you know? beautiful yeah, yeah but
0: but uh so yeah so you tour do you usually tour by yourself for what
1: uh, usually um, every now and then uh, the Daily Show guys will get sure together, that's you know, right yeah yeah them, uh, Roy Albanese and John Oliver and myself yeah, yeah. and Jr. Haviland or no Jr. yeah Jr. yeah and uh, we'll go out and uh, we'll do some gigs uh, well, that's great man yeah. and what are you working on now uh, I'm shooting a movie down in uh, New Orleans big part a uh, decent part yeah, yeah pretty decent part uh, um, it's uh, 21 Jump Street is they're the movie making the movie yeah, they're making the movie okay and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: all right, man. Well, Rob, it was great talking to
1: you. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I've, I've listened to your uh, podcast for a long time, so it was an honor to be here. Oh, that's very sweet. All right, yeah. boy. I'm glad we did it. All right, man.
0: Okay, that's our show, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. What a good guy. Good guy, funny guy, solid guy, grounded, knows who he is and where he is, made some, uh, you know, some definite sacrifices. He was definitely self-sacrificing. And now he's uh, he's still self-sacrificing. He's being funny. You can't underestimate the power of that. So go to wTfpod.com for all your WTF needs get uh, get an app, get some of those premium episodes, get some of the new shirts. Uh, you know post some comments, do whatever you want there. there's a lot of stuff and you know I'm on top of it. So uh, get on the mailing list. I do that every week. Wow, how about some just coffee? Oh, I'm sweating here. Pow whoa. Did I just shit my pants? Yes, I did. And that's just coffee.coop. That's it. Uh, Talk to you soon. Right? Okay.